Hi, this is Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level. This podcast is a mixture of interviews, coaching sessions, and personal development content. You'll hear me chat with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life as a result of working through their insecurity. You'll hear brave souls being willing to have a live coaching demonstration recorded where they work through their insecurity. And you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high quality personal development content to help you on your journey. I hope you find it useful. Now on to today's show. Cool, so the recording started, Jody. Um, thanks again for being willing to record the session. And uh, just, just quickly, I, I know you said you understood a bit about coaching and you've had some coaching experience before, but just really wanted to frame the conversation, I suppose. Um, do you know what I mean by frame? Um, yeah, get a structure around what is either going to happen or um, how it sort of proceeds. Yeah, totally. And it's just to, it's to frame your expectations as well because mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. think about if you think about relationships and the types of relationships like wearing a hat, um, you can say things wearing one hat that you can't say wearing another. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Like if, you're, if yeah. you've got a boss hat on, you can say some stuff that you could not say and get away with when you've got a friend hat on. Uh, yeah. You could say some stuff with a friend hat on you could not get away with when you've got the spouse hat on. Uh, yeah. You know, but... Um, yeah. You can you can say things as a coach that you could not say as a friend or as a stranger as a boss. So it's just it's just really really important to go. This conversation is a coaching conversation, so that that helps yeah. you frame the words we're speaking and gives you an expectation around that. So um, I suppose a, a few key things about the coaching frame for you to understand is that firstly it's totally judgment free, right? So it's it's your life and you're the expert in your life. I'm, I'm yeah. not here to fix you, and I'm not here to tell you what to do. Um, yeah. I, I'm not the expert. So I think, uh, you know, some other frames or some other hats. So if you're going to see a psychologist, for instance, you'll be going then expecting that they are the expert, um, yeah. hoping that they'll, they'll fix you. But I think the coaching frame differs from that because it says, mm, actually, you're the expert, and I'm just here to serve. I'm here to help you unlock what you already know and to empower you, to equip you to go, so you don't actually need me. I'm just a facilitator. Um, Cool. So, yeah, in that judgment-free space, there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. I don't don't care. Um, It's not my life. (laughs) I don't need anything from you. I don't want want you to do anything or not do anything. Uh, Yeah. You know, and I think this is why conversations with friends and family about change never bring about change because... There's always this element of wanting. Like, yeah. if you're having a conversation under the friend hat with with someone about an issue in your life, they naturally bring wanting. They naturally are like, oh, I want you to make the right decision. I want you to be happy. I want you to be okay. Yeah. Which is more about them than it is about you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And and so it kind of feels like an imposition or a judgment. And and at best, it can provide external motivation, but the kind of motivation that's lasting is always internal. It's something that you want to do because you want to do it, not because someone's told you that they want you to do it. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yes, on this frame, there's no judgment and no wanting. Uh, so leading on from that, it's always outcomes-focused. So that means the whole focus of this conversation is about what you want. And if you don't want anything... 
and there's no outcome, well, then we're not having a coaching conversation. Yeah. My only usefulness is to get you more of what you want. That's mm. end of story. So um, if, if any time we lose our way or or you get stuck in your story, I'll ask you that question simply. Okay, hang on, tell, tell me again, what do you want? Yeah. Because that's coaching's always about outcomes focused. It's not, a, it's not problems focused. Um, the, the leverage for change is always by focusing on outcomes. So those, those two things are really unique, I think, to the coaching frame. And if change is what you want, then you want to talk to someone with a coach hat on. That's the hat. That's the, that's the yeah. frame. Um, that's going to give you most leverage for change. Uh, yeah, if, if you want to talk about other stuff, well, don't talk to a coach because they're, all, they're only going to be focused on yeah. what do you want. And if you don't know what you want, well, then they've got no usefulness. So yeah. is that okay? That makes sense to me. Beautiful. So tell me a bit about how I could be useful to you today. Um, well, I suppose the two things that I was going to bring up as a something I want to push myself at getting better in um, and I'm feeling okay so far is my career. Um, I just right. graduated last year um, with a teaching degree. Yes. And was at the right place, right time, and got a job straight away um, this year. And I'm I'm one term in to this job and love it. It's really good. It's what I'm supposed to do. I definitely know that. Um, and I've worked really hard to get there through my degree. Sure. But I just it's it's going okay. I'm, I feel like I'm managing okay it's a lot more to it than anyone really anticipates or <laughs> sure it's like yeah. the whole duck on a pond your feet are going a million miles an hour under the surface but everything yeah, looks sure. okay um so i guess it's just pushing a bit more in that role to get a bit more confident a bit more mm-hmm. prepared a bit more knowledge about what my job actually entails there's so much more that I don't really know a whole lot about actually like the uni side of things <laughs> compared to the actual real life side of things and about what what I need to do, how I need to be prepared, how I need to manage myself to do a good job still. Um, yep. Maybe I've just bluffed my way through this first term and I'm, I'm thinking it's about to crash any minute but it's okay. Like I feel like I'm okay at the moment with it, but that's something that I just want a bit more confidence and backing myself a bit more that I am doing yeah, a good sure. job. Okay, great. The other side of my life, <laughs> which is where I can get a bit emotional, <laughs> um, my partner works away. He yep. is a fly in, fly out guy, mm-hmm. which is good. He's got a good job and very stable in his job. It's really good. Um, the company he works for is really strong and, and doing really well, even with stuff going up and down um, with the whole resource side of our country. Yep. Um, but I struggle on this half, on this end. Um, it's, it's it's a hard lifestyle. Sure. Uh, and I I guess I want that confidence... Um, same in terms of my job that I'm confident I want to be confident on my own here and 
I don't want the emotional up and down when he's home and when he's away. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I don't like relying on when he's home, I'm happy, and when he's away, I'm not happy. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I want to be just happy that this is our life and this is our lifestyle, and I have a life without him here. And I don't want to just fill it up with stuff, like with work, because teaching I could bring a crap load of work home, I could, and just live, you know, with my work. It's It could fill up my life, but that's not that's not what I want. I could fill it up with stuff to do all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could fill it up, but it's not really what I want. I wanted, you know, a companion, a person who's there. That's, a, you know, a relationship part of my life. But I get one phone call a day <laughs> and I have in my head that it feels like um, it's my prison call that it's my prison <laughs> phone call once a day. <laughs> and it's such a bad mentality, but that's what I get. I, that's all I get. So my relationship <laughs> side of things is a bit, um, yeah, that's a bit awkward. <laughs> sure, okay. So if you, yeah. you've got an opportunity to access me however you like, knowing that I'm just here to serve you, right? So um, the coaching skills bring to the table, I think, the best tools available in terms of human behavioural science, peak performance, seeing people not just survive in life but flourish. So, yeah. um, you know, you have an opportunity today to pick one of these two issues and explore the issue of change in that, to have things the way you'd like them to be. So, so if you had to pick one of those two, which would you like to pick? Oh, um... <laughs> um. Probably getting a bit more emotionally stable. <laughs> sure, um, so the relationship side of things. Yeah, like our lifestyle and how our relationships different. <laughs> yeah, having great. some contentment with just how it is. Yeah, great. Okay, so uh, just, just tell me specifically how it's a problem for you. So what I've heard so far is that your partner works away and, yeah. you know, so companionship is important to you and you you kind of get that when he's home and that's really good. Yeah. You feel settled and safe and happy. Um, but yeah. then when he's gone, the one phone call a day uh, yeah. doesn't doesn't even touch the sides in terms of what you really love uh, yeah. with your relationship, but it's all you get. Yeah. And you have to make do with that in this season. Yep. Okay. So how how long is he away for at a time? Um, Monday to Friday. So he'll be home Friday night. Sometimes he has to leave the Sunday to be at a job on the Monday. Um, Okay. So So you get him on Saturday and part of Sunday and then you lose him Monday to Friday. Sometimes Sunday night to Friday. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's only the last sort of, or this year, that his role has changed. Last year he was Wednesday to Wednesday, so he would leave on Wednesday and come home on Wednesday. So he's home for a week, away for a week. Okay. 
um, yeah. And now it's changed to this Monday to Friday type role. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'd love to understand more about how it's a problem for you to have that set up because I know how that would be a problem for me, right? But yeah. I, you're different from me and it might yeah. affect you very differently than it would affect me. So I'm really interested in in how specifically that's a problem for you having that set up. Um, I guess it's just the, the loneliness when I come home every day. Yeah, that, sure. I mean, I get the phone call that does the, you know, you come home, how was your day, honey, type call, what, you know, sure. what happened yep. today, what did you do? So I get some of that in the phone call and that's fine, but it's not, it's not I come home and we get to go walk the dog together. We live across the road from the beach. So we go for a stand-up paddle when we can. I do that in the afternoon. It's not the same when you go by yourself. Like the whole reason sure. I bought mine was so we could go together. Um, okay, great. It's great. just, yeah, the having a okay, mate so that's there when you come home. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the sense of loneliness. Yeah, when you and come home and empty. you're or you're empty and alone, okay? And and how's being empty and alone a problem for you? Um, I think I've just I've never been on my own where I'm okay with my own company. Yeah, I sure. I love I love people and I love the whole right. noise of life of <laughs> of being yeah, yeah, busy, sure. but of of sharing laughter and stories and over food and, you know, just being active. I, I've been active yeah, with people my whole life and now this That's side of life. Got. Yeah, it's not not that home and noise together and doing something together or, you know, even just sure. sitting on the couch together and eating. Uh, more, yeah, you know, I, I get that. So when, you, so when you're home alone and you don't have all of those things... Yeah. Um, I get that you feel alone and, and lonely, but what, tell, tell me more about how that makes you feel. So where does it progress from there when you when that start that loneliness starts to set in? Uh, I, what happens next? I guess next? I just I do nothing. Like I, I feel like I'm just sitting, wishing my life away. So oh, I yeah, wish well, for okay. the next day, wish for the next day until he's sure. home. I'm just it's just yeah. empty. <laughs> and how's how's wishing your life away a problem? Because it's wasting my years. <laughs> yeah, sure. And and when you feel like you're wasting your your very life, how does that make you feel? Oh, just just like I can't get it back, and yep. I've got to do something about it. I can't. I don't want to just sit there and wait for him to come home. Like sure. I've got, I've got time and I've got no one else dependent on me like we don't have kids I don't sure. have that reliance I have so much more I can give and offer and be a friend or be a help to other people sure, yeah, sure. I'm just sitting at home doing nothing <laughs> yeah feeling sorry that that's your situation yeah, yeah and feeling lazy mm. and miserable and then what happens? So when you feel lazy and miserable and that you should be out doing something and you should be making better your time and you shouldn't be dependent upon him for your happiness. Yeah. Um, where where does that all lead? Like what what are you telling yourself in those kind of moments? 
I don't know. That I, I feel like I tell myself that I am dependent on him for my happiness all the time. Yeah, wow. And I okay. realise it and I can sense it. I just... Wow. It's like I'm, I get really sad about it. <laughs> and I don't sure, want so to just, Yeah, so this sense of I'm incapable of making this work or making choice or motivating myself or... Yeah, without him around. Without him around. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. And it's um, annoying because I think yeah, I can, but <laughs> yeah, I get sure. down about it and I don't. Hmm. Um, does this happen anywhere else in your life? Like, is this, is there another example of this anywhere in your uh, life? Sorry, how old are you, Joe? I'm 34. Of so in your 34 years, is there any other example of this? Um... Not really. I had um, another partner I was with when I lived overseas in London and yeah. he was, it was probably for about a year of us being together that he had a fly-in, fly-out job and he was away for five weeks at a time. It was five mm-hmm. weeks on and five weeks off. Mm-hmm. So a totally different time frame where if I just sat around and waited for that, few days of being miserable I, ha- I can't stay like that because it's still another four weeks to go yeah, like, sure sure a totally different time frame even though I hated it still I yeah, suppose sure. it sort of forced my hand of because it's so much longer I've got to do something mm. else I've got to get on with what I'm doing and mm. it wasn't for as long but Fascinating that your two relationships have both had similar. Well, I don't know whether yep. they're working similar, but the but the situation. Yes, yeah. very. It's annoyingly similar, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's different. Like because I knew what Nat did when I I met him. I knew he had yeah, this fly sure. like, fly out kind of job, and sure. you know that's what a couple of girlfriends have said. Well, you knew that when you met him. And it's like yeah, I did, but. That doesn't mean, you know, what I want any different. Um, sure. But, yeah, I, it's hard because it's what he's been doing for 11 years and he can't. He says to me all the time, there's nothing else he can do. He doesn't feel like he has any other skill set to where he could change jobs or change career or anything like that. And so, to me, I'm, I'm trying to get stronger and more resilient about this because it's going to be for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I have to be able to cope Sorry. and manage and deal with it. But, oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, so what's this really about, do you think? Me, sucking about stuff that shouldn't be that hard to do. <laughs> really? Really? Do you think that's what it's really about? That's... Well, like, this is a judgment-free space, right? So... Yeah. That sounded like a judgment from you. That sounded like you were judging yourself. And often yeah. we imagine the judge... Like, when we look at our own behaviour, often we do it as the critic. So we go... Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. You should have done better. Yeah, um, and we imagine that we imagine that, that drill sergeant approach will bring about change and motivation. 
It so doesn't. <laughs> it so doesn't. It doesn't change anything. It just makes us feel worse about the situation. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you could almost observe yourself dispassionately. I don't know if that word works for you. Yeah. Have you have you come across the, the idea of being a dispassionate observer before? No. <laughs> it's a cool word. I, I love language. I love <laughs> yes. So and, do and I. It's a, it's a great. It's a great word right? because um, often people have very limited awareness of their own stuff. Right? They just keep doing what they've always done. They don't ask any yeah. questions. Um, they don't turn any lights on down in the basement and have a look what's really going on. And there's a whole bunch of fear and vulnerability and and judgment that causes us to do that. Um, So the coaching space, it's all about awareness. It's like, okay, there's no judgment, so it's safe to go and have a look. So I come with no judgment, but often you or or the client comes with a lot of judgment around their own behaviour. Now, the dispassionate observer is someone who doesn't know you, doesn't care about you, has no vested interest in you, um, but for whatever reason gets to have a look at what's happening in your world. So... Even, like, I I carry an interest because my interest is to serve you, right? My interest is to help you get more of what you want. So I have an agenda to serve you. But the dispassionate observer has no agenda. Doesn't feel any pressure to sort anything out. Uh, Just is able to have a look and go, huh, that's interesting. No, there's a pattern there. Yeah. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah. No judgment. No agenda. No wanting. Just the ability to observe. Yep. So if you were going to be observe your own life dispassionately, so imagine you know, you kind of stepped out of your body at the moment and just kind of sat on the edge of the room, so far enough away that you could hide and not really even be noticed, but you were just able to observe. What, what do you think this is really about? What, what might a dispassionate observer think this is really about? Um, I don't know. Like a fear of not being, like I don't want to be alone. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And and if they were curious about that fear and what sat underneath that fear, what, what do you think they might discover about what's underneath that fear, the fear of being alone? I don't know. I don't know. Like, just trying to look at. I I don't know from that whole sure. yeah that's, angle. That's that's sure. That's fine. I was I was talking to a client yesterday, right? And and one of the things that it became apparent that they feared, a fear that was really holding them back, was the the fear of rejection, right? So. Um, yeah. They were they were sabotaging themselves and their relationships and kind of hiding in a safe place, not really being themselves. Yeah. The fear that if they were to show up as themselves, they'd get rejected. Yeah. Um, but the fear of rejection is not the bottom of it. It's not what's underneath it because it's more what happens when they get rejected. That's what they really fear. It, yeah. it, and, and the discovery was to get rejected proves that they are no good. Yeah. That's what they're really afraid of. 
the fear that they're not enough or no good. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when no one, when they don't put themselves out there, then they can't really get rejected so they get protected from that fear. So so that's what I mean by what sits underneath underneath that fear. So the fear of being alone, that's not really the bottom of it because it's what happens when you're alone that you're really afraid of. It's what it's what being alone means for you. Yeah. That's the fear. Does that make sense? Yeah. What so what what do you think being alone means for you? What is what does that say about you as a person if you are alone? That no one wants to be with me. Sure. Yep. And Craig and I have even talked before about that I'm not good enough. Yeah, sure. But just yep. lots of times I just so if I I'm alone it's because no one wants to be with me. Yep. And they don't want to be with you because there's something wrong with you, there's some inadequacy. Yeah. Yeah. In some in some way you're not good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, friendly enough. Yeah. The problems with you. The problems with you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, cool. That makes sense. But it's just his job. It's not about me. <laughs> oh, I get that, sure. I get that. And this is the cool thing about fear, right? It's it's highly irrational. Yeah. To to everyone else except ourselves. Um it's so it's so amazing. I I do this group coaching experience like uh, people come on this 12-month coaching journey and as part of it, we go away three times in the year for a three-day kind of group intensive. And one of these experiences, we talk about fears, talk about what, what are people afraid of. And it's always a really amazing experience because they're sitting around in this circle and someone gets the, the floor and talks about what they're afraid of. And it's just fascinating observing how the group responds to each person's fear. And the pattern is something like this. Someone will go, do you know what? I'm just I'm afraid that, you know, my kids, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be good enough as a dad for them. And, you know, somehow I'm going to let my kids down. And that's what I'm really afraid of. And, yeah. and everyone will look at them like, what are you talking about? Like, you're a freaking idiot. That doesn't even make sense. You're one of the best dads I know. Like you love your kids, you you're present for them. That's a crazy. I can't believe that you're afraid of that. So anyway, that's where we leave it. And then then the next person goes on, and and so the next person goes. Well, do you know what? I've always wanted to write a book. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I'm just afraid that that I won't be able to won't be able to get it good enough, and no one will read it, and you know, and I'll fail and it'll be a waste yeah. of time. And I'm not really good enough to write a book. And and the person who just was afraid of being a dad will look at them and go, what, are you on drugs? Like, that doesn't even yeah. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're the most articulate person I know. You've got great ideas. Of course, if you could put that in, in a book form, that would be useful to so many people. That's a, I can't imagine why you'd be afraid of that. You know, and so it goes on and on and on and on. To us, yeah. our fears seem so rational and so real, but to everyone else, they yeah. seem stupid and yeah. highly irrational. And yeah. so just the gift of doubt is to go, hmm, maybe this fear is is not as real as I thought it was or not as big as I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because you think about kids and what, what kids are afraid of, and you think about... <laughs> You know, a kid being afraid of the monster under their bed. 
they're not actually afraid of the monster under their bed. Do you know what they are afraid of? Oh. The thought that there might be a monster under their bed. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. They've never actually looked. They're just afraid that there might be a monster under the bed. Yeah. Um, and so one of the key ways of dealing with fear is to face it. Let's go, all right, well, let's have a look under the bed. Yeah. Uh, if there is a monster under there, okay, well, we're going to need to make some plans. But yeah. if there's not a monster under there, well, you can go to sleep. Yeah. So, you know, um, so we'll, we'll come back to this fear in a moment and just explore this. But just want to acknowledge you for, for being honest about that and and also to let you know that, um, you know, I'm writing this book at the moment called Elegantly Simple Solutions for Complicated People Problems. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, but... Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the idea behind it is people experience their problems as very, very complicated and totally unique. Yeah. And the reality is they're neither. Yeah. And, and while the way out might not be easy, in fact, it probably won't be. It won't be complicated. And we all struggle with the same kind of things. Yeah. So can I assure you that um, underneath everyone's issues is some similar fear that they are in some way inadequate. It's it's the universal fear and it's amazing that we all we all look at everyone else and think, Oh, I bet they're fine, they're good. I wish I was like them, but for me there's something lacking with me. If I was as pretty as that person, if I was as strong as that person, we're always comparing ourselves and finding fault with our own self. Yeah. And this fear, there's something missing with me, there's something wrong with me. If I was only this, if I was only that. Um, so it's this extraordinary common fear that we share. And, you know, so I'll show you some, some really interesting things about that fear in a moment. But uh, I'd, I'd love for you to tell me what you would like to have happen. So if this wasn't an issue for you, can you, can you paint a bit of a picture of the ideal scenario for you? If you had a magic wand and could have it any way you liked. Um, I guess that I... Come home and have a contentment every time I walk in the door from work. That mm-hmm. I enjoy my own company walking on the beach with the dog. That it's great quality time that I get to spend on my own. Mm-hmm. It's really fun throwing the stick for it. It's really good. Um, sure. I just wish I'd enjoy it a bit more. Sure. And if you had that, what um, would that give you? Just a bit more peace. Sure. To relax and sure. enjoy that time. And, and um, if you had peace and relaxment, so when, so what was, what's your partner's name? No, Nathaniel. Um, when Nathaniel came home on the weekend, because I'm guessing that, you know, with the pressure and pain you feel about when he's at home, you, you may not be that relaxed sorry, the pressure and pain you feel when he's not home, you may not even be that relaxed when he's home. I'm, no. I'm wondering if you kind of it's, feel like you've got to get like every... It's like a countdown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking, oh, well, he's going soon anyway, so you don't enjoy it when he's home because he's going to be gone again and you don't make the most of that time. Yeah. So if you, if you had more peace and contentment, how would that affect your time with that? It'd just be 
like even more relaxed and easygoing, not worried about sharing him with everybody and other stuff he does when he wants to come home and sure. it's okay. <laughs> like most of cool. most of the time when he is home, everything is okay anyway. It's just it's too short. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So so the ideal scenario for you would would not be that his work situation changes, but that you would be able to cope differently with his work situation and find peace and contentment in your own space. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Cool. And then what would happen? Like if you had that, what would that lead to for you? I feel like I would be a more healthy individual. <laughs> Yeah, I don't sure. I don't eat very well for one. Yeah, <laughs> like sure. I hate cooking for one. It's Yeah, it's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so, that, that makes total sense. <laughs> and it's it's almost like your life is on hold uh, yeah. while he's away and so there's no point really looking after yourself, it's just survival, it's just Yeah, like getting I'm by, like it's just waiting. And, yeah, yeah, instead yeah, well, of <laughs> The old the right. ad of a healthy choice, I am looking after myself, mum, type thing. <laughs> it's not really. It's not really looking after <laughs> yeah, yourself. Sure. It's so no, good. No. Oh, I get that. <laughs> so, I don't know. Hiding a life. Fully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. So if you had peace and contentment and you were more relaxed, you would look after yourself and you would be more healthy. Yeah. Like, would would just be surviving. You're worth looking after. Yeah, beautiful. Hmm, okay. But, Cool. And then what? What would that lead to? Um, drinking less and sleeping more. <laughs> mhm. Yes. And then what would you be doing with your time, with your spare time? Uh, doing stuff that's more constructive for me. Um, exercise or just go out to a cafe and read a book instead of sit at home and watch TV or, I don't know, I'd do something that's a bit more constructive for me, not sure, time-wasting. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you, you sound like, you know, social, you sound like, you know, social activities and other people are, it's important, you love laughter and friends. Do you think it would affect your ability to connect with people in a midweek, would you find more or less of that, do you think? Um, I would like to find more of that. I just don't have a social circle around me where I can, like I crave calling someone up and saying, eight o'clock at night, let's just go grab an ice cream or, you know, I'd sure, love to be able to that. do that. I don't have that. I play basketball mm-hmm. with a team on a Monday night and... I just don't have a social circle other than that that can do that type of thing. Mm, I have a really good friend who, she's a doctor, so she works ridiculous hours that you just catch her maybe once a month. And Mm. it's she's always so tired because she's on crazy shifts. It's it's just not user-friendly to... To have any kind of long-term stable (laughs) friendship. Well, that's that's the third example of being close to people that leave you. 
or, yeah. or being close to people that you can't really have. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm trying really hard not to always go around to my parents or hang sure. out with my parents, go out for dinner with my parents and yeah, sure. It's so old. <laughs> cool, but it's getting back, so back to what you want, right? So, so this is magic wand stuff, right? So I just want to get yeah. a picture of what is the ideal. So so what I heard was the ideal was you'd love to have more social. You'd love to yeah, have yeah. a friend that you could just hang out with at 8 o'clock at night, go get some ice cream. Um, yeah. To have that very call natural. Call up for a coffee. Call up to a little movie. Awesome. And if you had that, so if you had this sense of health and peace and you're looking after yourself, you're comfortable in your own skin, you had a good social group, yep. you had friends that you could call, what would that mean to you? That I'm not just waiting for Nat to come home. <laughs> yeah, great. But and I how have you feel about my life. It's valuable. I'm doing something that's yeah. as good for me. Do you feel me. like you're wasting your life? If you had all no, that, that's living life <laughs> to me. Yeah, nice. You'd be actually living. How long yeah. since you've actually? How long since you've actually lived life, Jody? Oh, years ago. <laughs> sure. How how many years? Oh, probably four. Cool. Okay. Great. So you'd be living. You'd be yeah. comfortable in your skin, you'd be healthy, you'd be looking after yourself, you'd be connected with friends. Yeah. Your life wouldn't be on hold. You wouldn't be wasting your life, you'd be living. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> that <sounds laughs> um, okay, so that's that's a beautiful outcome. So if if you were to pick something as part of that frame of you'd be living again for the, for this session outcome, what would it be? What 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 would this make this session so useful for you in line with that big goal of living again? I think just the it's okay to go for a walk on the beach by myself and great you know yep. be here it's okay i'm I'm okay to hang out with on my own yeah great yeah okay, cool. And that's that's a measurable outcome. That's, you can clearly see whether you're doing that or not doing that. Uh, yeah. So if you were to give this session a name, not just a name but a cool name, what would you call it? Um, like walking the dog or something. Yeah, cool. Or even... It, even a, a name more exciting than that or more compelling <laughs> more that gives you something inside you that says, righto, come on, now's my time. Uh, you know, I've been living my life on hold for four years and that's not working for me anymore and I, I want to be okay in my own skin. I want to live and be healthy and yeah. go catch up with friends. All right. So in line with that outcome, what would you call this session? Uh, I don't know. I'm not very creative. <laughs> um, 
That's okay. You just and a name that's you. There's no judgment. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. It's your session. Your name. I don't know. Maybe Terminator. Beautiful. This session is called Terminator. What a great name. Cool. So you've, we've created this beautiful gap, right, between where you are yeah. now and where you'd like to be. Yeah. And and the beauty of the coaching skill set is it's all about moving people from where they are now to where they want to be. And not just putting a band-aid on, not just telling you to be born positive, just try harder and just stop it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to I'd like to consider one big idea as a way of moving from where you are now to where you want to be, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I'd like to frame it by using this metaphor so typically when people think about change, they picture it probably subconsciously. I'm not sure if too many people could articulate this, but when I say it, you'll go, yeah, actually that, that really fits. So change is like climbing to the top of a snow-capped mountain and the flag is right up there and you can barely make it out through the clouds and it's windy and you're looking at these things and thinking, holy smokes, that's a long way up there. And you're looking at this mountain and there's dense forest down the bottom and then the, the trees clear, then there's rocks, then there's ice and there's snow and it's steep and it's slippery and it's challenging, right? And you're thinking, I want to be at the top. The top represents happiness, it represents success. I want to be there, I should be there, I deserve to be there. But there's no guarantee I've got what it takes to make it. So it feels like a hard road, a long road, a difficult road. And there's no guarantee that if I get halfway up, I'm not going to get stuck or I'm not going to have to return. And and I'll be climbing this hill and every time I stop putting an effort, I'm going to slide back down the hill. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's how I think, that's how most people relate to change or growth or progress. It's hard work. Uh, I think change is actually nothing like that. I think it's much more like this. You are sitting on top of a hill in a parked car with a handbrake on and the goal is at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. So all that's between you and this goal is a handbrake. Yeah. That car has everything it needs inside it. The, the brakes work, the wheels work, the suspension works, the axle's connected. It doesn't even need fuel. You just need to take the yeah. brake off. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's no such thing as an unresourceful person, just an unresourceful state. Yeah. So by that I mean people are incredible. People are capable of extraordinary things, yet most people never will do extraordinary things, not because they don't have the potential, but because they can't access that inside them. Yeah. So you have all that you need to get this outcome. Yeah. You are not lacking in any way, shape or form. But those resources are hidden or buried or shut down inside those inside that car. And so the whole coaching process is about helping you unlock that, helping you realise that, helping you see that, which is all about taking this break off and giving yourself permission to move forward. Yeah. And once you take the break off, the natural implication is you roll forward. Yeah. The, the, the hard work is taking the break off the easy, yeah, the easy the thing is rolling factor. down the hill. Sorry. Yeah. That's the control factor of... What do you, what do you mean by that? Letting, letting go of the brake to actually let yourself get there. 
Exactly. And only you can do that, right? But it's a total different metaphor. So it's giving yeah. yourself permission rather than disciplining yourself. Yeah. Self-discipline is highly overrated. Yeah. So, so what, I, what I want you to consider is that you're actually holding yourself back. Yeah. And that's working for you. Yeah. So every single thing we complain about or even tolerate in life that don't change must be giving us a payoff. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. We're actually not that dumb. We, we yeah. might do something once for no reward, but not twice and not 10 times and certainly not for four years and certainly not for 10 years. So, yeah. so what's the payoff for you for living like this? What's your reward? I don't know. I'm just justifying my own miserable... I don't know, that I'm actually not worth being around in justifying that. Yeah, but how's that a reward? What, what's the payoff you get? Can I give you some examples of how this works for other people? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, had a guy had a guy I was coaching recently with depression. Right? He suffered with depression for thirty years, and his brother is sending him along to to see me, and you know he's really really stuck. And the only way he can understand his condition is that something it's external, right? This depression disease has come upon him and afflicted him. And all he can do is medicate it or survive it, right? So first question I asked him stopped him in his tracks. I just said, okay, so I get that depression is a problem for you. What I'm really interested in, though, is how depression is not a problem for you. And he's like, what do you mean how is it not a problem? And he told me again how it was a problem. I said, no, tell me how this is not a problem. What are the benefits for having depression? And I just held that space for him, right? Because he he argued for a while that there were no benefits. It was just all terrible. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to explore that. What are the benefits for having depression? Any idea what the benefits of having depression for him might have been? <laughs> no, people feel sorry for him. Well, oh, interesting. No. Yes, that that was actually one of them, right? So he gets pity from others because he's got depression. Yeah. He gets self-pity because he's got depression. But yeah. the biggest thing for him was depression is a get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't know if you play Monopoly at all. Yeah. It's this card he carries in his back pocket. So he can be fine. He can be at work. He can be at dinner. He can be having fun. And then something causes him to be insecure or threatened or feel unsafe. He pulls that card out. Yeah. It's his excuse to go hide. He can hide for, for a week. He can hide for 10 days. And no one blames yeah. him. No one thinks there's something it's, it's unfair because he's got depression. It's not his fault. Yeah. So nothing's required of him. He doesn't have to take responsibility. It's not his fault. Yeah. He can hide. Every time he gets scared, he can hide behind that card and that thing. Yeah. It's his, it's his get out of jail free card. Yeah. When he doesn't know how to deal with the kids, oh, I've got depression, I'm not feeling great. When marriage issues are going down, doesn't know what to do, oh, I'm just depressed, I can't deal with this. When work stuff's 
you know, the business isn't going to go, oh, I've got depression. Yeah, you know, I'm not yeah. saying depression is not a thing, right? I, I get depression yeah. is a thing. And yep. I, I just wanted to explore within how this is not a problem. I was coaching a, a woman recently who is really overweight and she's desperate to lose weight. She's been trying to, trying to fight her weight for 10 years and really not succeeding. And she's really hating her appearance and hating just how it feels to be really obese. Um, and so I said to her, well, oh, clearly you need to be fat. Clearly it's working for you. Now, you yeah. can, under the coach hat, you can say that. You can't say that yeah. under any other hat. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I don't care. I don't care if she's fat or skinny. I couldn't care less. I don't need yeah. her to be anything other than she is. But I'm just saying it as it is. She obviously needs to be fat because no one's putting food in her mouth. No one's preventing yeah. her from exercising. She's doing that. She's choosing that. Obviously because there's a reward. And she's yeah. like, there's no reward. I hate it. It's terrible. There's no benefits. It's horrible. Well, clearly it is working for you because you keep doing it. If it really wasn't working for you, you would have let go of it a long yeah. time ago. Um, so I, I heard her story and when she was 23... Um, she was slim and attractive and happy with her appearance, and her fiance cheated on her, right? And she hadn't seen it coming. She'd attached her whole hope for happiness on yeah. this relationship, right? And it had gone south. He'd cheated on her with one of her best friends, and yeah. it just destroyed her, right? She felt so bad. She, like she blamed herself. She she felt it proved that she was worthless, and it just really yeah. hurt her so badly, right? Um, Six months later, she's just kind of recovering and getting some confidence back and getting back on her feet, and she gets raped by a stranger. Oh. So two horrific instances at the hands of men. So yeah. subconsciously, she creates a strategy to make sure that never happens again. Yeah. If I make myself unattractive, no one will come close enough to hurt me like that again. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's working. That's working. Right, so, so she's... She's trying to lose weight, but it's not safe to lose weight. Yeah. She sabotages her own weight loss journey because if she loses weight, then she's going to get hurt again. Yeah. So it's working for her to be fat. Yeah. There's a benefit there. It's safe to be fat. It's not safe to be skinny. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So every single thing we complain about or even tolerate that's not the way we'd like it to be gives us some reward. Yeah. It's confronting and offensive. I get that, right? But yeah. under the coach hat, we can have this conversation. It is the only place yeah. that's safe enough to have this conversation. Yeah. Because there is no judgment. So, t so tell me, how is it not a problem for you oh, to, what, to, to keep choosing people because it's a pattern for you. That three three instances I heard where you pick people who, by their situation, are going to leave you alone, and you don't want to be alone. Yet they leave you alone. So, what are the benefits for experiencing that pattern? I don't know. I just because you like I don't want to be alone. I I get that. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the gift of holding this space for you, right? Because oh. 
Because every single thing we complain about or even tolerate but don't change must be giving us a payoff. There must be some reward. I don't get why this is a reward that I don't like it. It's, in coaching terms, we call it secondary gain, right? So it's secondary gain because the primary story is loss. So on the surface, this is terrible. You know, I'm being abused, I'm being this, I'm overweight, I'm in a work situation that I hate, I've got no money, or blah, 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 whatever. Insert story here, but it's loss, loss, yeah. loss. My life's crap, this is not working, this is terrible. But the reason the person would stay in that situation if it, you know, a terrible situation is because underneath they get a reward. They get pity. They get identity. They get protection. It's it's safe. Um, you know, for someone who's being abused, one of the most confronting realities is people stay in abusive relationships because it's safe. Now, now work that That's out, right? But oxymoron. it's better the devil you know than the one you yeah. don't. I know this. This is my prison, but I know it. I know how to do it. I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. I know what to expect. Uh, but but it's it's easier to stay there because it's hard taking responsibility and choice and exercising 100% choice. It's much easier to blame someone or something else. But to to take 100% responsibility for your own life and your own results. Holy smokes, that's confronting. And the buck stops with you. Because sometimes the benefit is, well, it's easier to stay in in terrible situations because I can blame someone else and get pity from others than myself. Uh. I I was doing some coach training in Adelaide recently and this is my favourite example of secondary gain. I just think this is an absolute cracker. Um, see if you can see if you work some of this out, right? It's, it's a great story. One of the coaches who'd come for training had had a background in counselling, and she was telling me about a couple that she was counselling. She'd been counselling for five years, right, and nothing had changed. And I, I wasn't surprised because I, I think you go to a counsellor if you want sympathy, you go to a coach if you want change. Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so, so I hear about this this couple. So so the lady in this couple, this was her second. Um, the second marriage, her first marriage. She got married when she was 19. Uh, she'd grown up in a, a quite a strict church and, and met a young guy in that church. They got married at 19, had three kids very early on, and then he had some kind of mental breakdown and became quite violent and abusive toward her. And she left the marriage and got a divorce for the sake of the kids because it was just unsustainable, right? He left and was never seen again. She stayed in the church. So she, so at 23 or 24, she's a single mum with three kids who's already divorced. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's not a great thing to have on your CV. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for anyone, let alone someone in that Christian setting, um, yeah. she's feeling judged. And anyway, um, not long later, a young guy moved to the church and had eyes for this woman and kind of developed a relationship for her. And they, they kind of dated for 12 months and he proposed and she accepted the proposal and He's a great young guy and everyone was really happy for her. And um, on the day of their wedding, she got really sick and has been sick for the next 20 years. 
Now, he had to quit his job and become a sole carer for her and the three kids. Um, so you got this situation where uh, the eldest kid has left home, but there's still two kids at home. You know, she's very sick all the time. He is the carer. Um, you know, it's a pretty dysfunctional kind of setup. Now, can you notice any secondary gain in that story? What jumps out to you? Uh, that he has to look after her forever now. She's sick and will stay sick. And yes, so he can't leave. Has him, look, has him looking after them all. Exactly. So yeah. she's created a situation where he's going to have to look yeah. after her. And, yeah. you know, and what kind of a bastard wouldn't look after a sick woman, right? So yeah. first husband didn't look after her, but I'm going to make sure my second husband does. Beautiful. Yeah. What else do you notice? She's been sick for 20 years. 20 years. Amazingly, right, because the church, they believe that God heals and they've been praying yeah. for her, right? She yeah. got healed at year 15 and was free of this sickness for six months. Um, and then relapsed and went back in. Doesn't want to lose him. If, if she's not sick, him. then she'll, yeah. Yeah, what else? Do, do you feel sorry for the husband? Yeah. Don't feel sorry for the husband. What kind of a young man pursues a recently divorced mother of three young kids? Rebound guy. Or a rescuer. Yeah. Rescuers need victims. Right? Yeah. He's a hero in the story. He, he gets so much love from that church community. He's, he's won yeah. Father of the Year 10 years running. Right? He's, yeah. His trophy cabinet's overflowing. He, yeah. he gets told regularly what a wonderful man he is because yeah. he's the hero in the story. Yeah, can do no wrong guy. Yeah, <laughs> he can do okay. no wrong. Exactly, right? So it worked yeah. for him to have her sick. When she got well, he didn't really know what to do either. Then, oh, my goodness, yeah. now I've got to go get a job. What, what's my role in life now? I don't, no one yeah. needs me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else? What about the kids? What do you see for them? A totally dysfunctional sort of family as well, that they don't have a any kind of normalcy with a mum and dad loving, caring yeah. about them. That's right, but at least they've got someone. Yeah. So she's, she's created a scenario where, okay, at least they're going to have a father figure and that they, they've got someone in the world looking after them. So she's, she's done something for the kids in her mind. Yeah. I'm going to give you a very present father. I'm going to keep him present. I'm going to keep him at yeah. home all the time because he's going to care for me. So therefore, he's going to care for you too. You know, so you can imagine her at 23 feeling really bad about herself, feeling like, oh, divorce, that's just not good. I'm not spread out. Marriage, you're supposed to get one chance at that and I've already blown it. So I don't deserve to be happy. Um, yeah. You know, so when something good comes along, I'm going to sabotage it. And my first husband rejected me. Well... If my second husband rejects me, well, he hasn't really rejected me. He's only rejected the sick me. I've never really fully shown up anyway. 
So there's a whole bunch of stuff working there. And this is the this is a beautiful thing about people, right? People work perfectly. They're not broken and needing to be fixed. The results that we're getting in life are the exact results we designed our system to produce. Yeah. Something in your subconscious keeps choosing people who leave you on your own because it works for you. So, uh, I don't know if you watch The Simpsons at all, right? Yeah. But um, one of my favourite episodes of The Simpsons is when Marge tells Homer she's got to come home from work early. They've got a meeting on and he says, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll be home. And he's leaving work on time and then he sees a vending machine with chips and lollies in it and he's hungry but doesn't have any money so he shakes it and he kicks it and nothing comes out. So he sticks his hand up inside it and gets his hand yeah. stuck. Have yeah. you seen this episode? Full-blown rescue to get him out, but he had to let go of the chips. He, well, because then he drags then he drags that vending machine down the corridor and sees a drinks machine, and then he yeah. sticks his hand up inside that, so then it's all cordoned off and he's stuck inside two vending machines. And, yep. You know, they're talking about amputating his arm and, uh, yeah. you know, he says, that's okay, it'll grow back. No, Homer, it won't grow back. And then <laughs> Lenny or Carl or someone says, hey, Homer, you're not still holding onto the can, are you, by any chance? Yeah. And he says, your point being... Uh, okay, let go. Let go. <laughs> let go. You know, so it's such an incredible metaphor because so often we think the things causing us most grief in life are holding on to us when really we're holding on to them. Yeah. And mm. we can let go. So when you're done with the reward you're getting from this situation, you can actually let go of it and take the handbrake off and roll down the hill towards happiness, towards health, towards friendship, towards peace, towards enjoying your relationship rather than, um, you know, not even being present when you're there. You can have all those things the moment you want them. Yeah. But it started with being willing to let go of the benefit for what you're getting out of this situation right now. So for the guy with depression, he had to be willing to let go of depression. Now, his whole life, he would have sworn black and blue that he didn't want depression and that he, he hates depression and wishes it away and complains about it, yet he's holding on to it. There's, there's this beautiful story in the Bible um, I don't know whether whether the Bible's ever been part of your world, um, but yeah. Jesus tells this Jesus tells this story about a guy at the pool of Bethesda, um, and the story goes that all these sick people were waiting at this pool because once a year an angel would come down and stir the waters, and the first person to put their foot in the water would get healed, and so it was always this mad rush on when the angel came down. So it's this, this paralysed guy who's been sitting at the pool for thirty years, waiting. Always misses out. And Jesus comes up to him and says, Hey, mate, do you want to be well? And you think, that's an interesting question. Um, it seems like a redundant question. Of course he wants to be well. He's waiting here. He's been waiting here for 30 years. 
That's a, it's a cool question. It's a loaded question because it's like, no, no, do you want to be well? Do you really want to be well? Because if you want to be well, you can actually pick up your mat and come follow me now. You can have it now. But just, just yeah. be careful what you wish for because if you're well, you can't be this guy anymore. You can't be the guy that gets looked after, who gets pity. You've got to, go, you've got to be the guy that gets a job, goes and gets married, looks after kids. You've got to function. Yeah. You're okay to be that guy? The guy that takes on responsibility, the guy that functions, you're right to be that guy. You're going to be that guy, you can have that now. Do you know what I mean? So it's like if you if yeah. you want health, you want to be comfortable in your own skin, you want social settings, you want good friends, you can have that now. Yeah. But it means letting go of the benefit you get for being alone, for being lonely, for having your life on hold. Yeah. What's coming up in terms of the benefit? What's your best guess around the payoff you get for living out of this story? I don't know. I'm racking my brain to try and think. Like, I don't know. I just, I live here in Nat's house and look after his dog. Yes. Is is what I get out of it just living in the house here? That well, sure, you get a house. Is is that what it comes down to? Like, uh, I think I think there might be something more. So one of the, one of the cool things about coaching is, um, you know. Let's letting letting go of the illusion of no choice and realizing that well, as confronting as this may sound, you are exactly where you've chosen to be. Yeah. And and we are a hundred percent responsible for training others how to treat us. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's confronting and offensive, um, but very empowering because it just says, hmm, our results are our results. It's easy to blame someone or something else for our results, but. Uh, if we're really honest, we've chosen where to be and chosen how it's going to work. So if that's true, there must be some benefit for the choice we make, some reward. Now, there's, there's no judgment, right, and there's no pressure because this is, I'll guarantee you, this is one of the most hardest things to see. It's easy to see about other people, very, very hard to see it about yourself. Um, but there's nothing you could say to me that... I'm like a dog with a bone, right? There's nothing <laughs> you could say to me which would convince me that you're the only person in the world who's living in a shitful situation that you don't like and things are not the way you'd like them to be and you get no reward. There's actually nothing that you could say to me. And that's not because I'm being arrogant or being close. Yeah. Just because I'm actually 100% committed to serving you. And if I go, oh, okay, sure, there's, there's no benefit, then then that means I reinforce that story for you and it just goes further down deep and locked away. And it'll come, you might behave manage it, you might just kind of discipline yourself to just get out more and walk the dog more, but you always will come back to this until you're willing to actually see what it is and let go of it. I can't see it. <laughs> so one of the... 
one of the the key um, you know coaching is always listening to language and when when a person says can't what do you think yeah. someone really means when they say can't mum always used to say no such thing as can't what is what does she mean that, by that it's just that you don't yes and what else what like you're choosing not to well as, I know it doesn't feel like that. I totally get that. But I'd love, I'd love to hold this space for you and say, if you wanted to see it, you could see it. And that it's dangerous. This is a dangerous thing to see. Because the moment you see it, you're going to have to do something with it, right? And your subconscious is like going, whoa, 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 whoa. We're about to be found out here. This strategy you've been running for a long time is about to be exposed. And they're afraid. You're going to have to let go of something that's been working for you, a story that's been serving you and protecting you from what you're really afraid of. And so when you're ready, you can see it if you'd like to. Or not. But, but you, you, could, you could make a decision to say, I'm, I don't want to see what the benefit is. I, I, I'm choosing to continue to live in this place and... Um, and believe that it's not my fault or my responsibility that this is just the way things are and that there is no benefit. You could you could make that choice. Or I, I don't want to change. I'm not ready to see this right now. But if you were ready, you could see it. I, someone has to change. <laughs> hmm. I don't like cool. it how it is now. Beautiful. Want it to stay That's like great. This. And this is the cool thing about pain, right? Pain motivates. It's a it's a massive motivator. Yeah. And when and pain can be a beautiful motivator when things get so bad. It's like right, I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care what the cost is. I don't care how hard it is. I have to find a way. And in that moment, you're like, okay, all right, it's time to see. It's time to see this pattern. What is the benefit to continuing to live in situations where I'm forced to be alone, even though I hate being alone? Why would I choose that? What would be the benefit in choosing partners and friends that are very rarely there? So that I live most of my life on hold, waiting. What is the benefit? What's the payoff for living your life on hold? I don't know. It's just there that... I have a job, but I've looked after. Like beautiful, I, yes. Yep. Yeah, just press pause for a sec. Just this is the last question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm, I'm gonna end the session after after this, right? So don't feel like I'm gonna hold you here for 17 hours and torture you with this question. <laughs> um, no, I just want to get it out. Right? Beautiful. Okay. I could. Well, it's okay. Just just relax um, and just step outside of your own skin for a moment. Imagine you were. Uh, coaching someone else right so this is not about you this is not your story this is someone else um, and and someone else you notice the pattern of them putting their life on hold you know their circumstances meant that they were all the things they wanted to be doing they weren't really doing and and most of their life they were they were wasting right 
Um, and they, they hated that about that. They really didn't want to be wasting their life. Yet the pattern was they continued to keep wasting their life. They continued to keep putting their life on hold. They didn't look after themselves. They didn't go after the things they really wanted. They just were waiting. They were on hold, pressing pause. So this person, what what would be your best guess? If you're a dispassionate observer for this person, what would be your best guess around the benefit they would get for living out of that story? Like they didn't want for anything. Pardon me? Like they, in terms of money and finances, there's no worries. They're not living tight or anything. It's not... Okay, they're just sure. There. They're just existing sure. and... Yep, so they're not putting on any financial pressure. Yeah, great. No. What else is the benefit for this person? Remember, this person's not you, so don't don't think about... We're not trying yeah. to draw any links back to you. I just no, want to imagine a person who's on hold, his life is on hold, and they're wasting their life. They don't want to be wasting their life, yet they keep wasting their life. What's there's the benefit no they risk. get out of it? There's no risk. Holy smokes. And so if there's of no risk... losing anything or... Yes. Gaining anything. Fail. Yeah, no risk of... No risk of failing. Or rejection because or... Or rejection, it's a safe place. Yeah. Beautiful. Well done. It is. You're totally right. It's a safe place. Yeah. Yeah, how safe is it really? Not really safe because they're not going anywhere either. <laughs> that's, that's right. If you think about in 50 how they're going to feel about their life in 50 years' time, if they keep it's not like it a sinkhole, but it is a sinkhole. It's just mm-hmm. yeah. I I had a guy who came to my coach training recently, and it took him six months to get across the line because he was telling himself that he's a he's a very risk averse person. He always plays it safe. And he's got this job that he hates, and but he's had it for thirty years, and he's good at it. And uh, you know he's he's hoping that. Um, he could explore life coaching but can't see how to explore life coaching without letting go of his job and, and keep saying, well, I'm a risk-averse person, I'm a risk-averse person. I, I just can't see that well, I'd let go of this. And so I said, well, I get that you're a risk-averse person, but if you, if you were my risk assessor, I'd fire you tomorrow because you're only assessing half the risk in your life. Yeah. You've never assessed the risk of staying in a job you don't like. Yeah. You've never assessed the risk to your family, to your mental state, to your emotional state, to your relationships, of what you're modelling to your kids. You tell your kids to go be happy and follow their dreams and they watch you every day trundle off to a job you don't even like. What's the risk of that? What's the cost there? So weigh up all the costs, not just half the cost. And he did that and he's like, holy smokes, the safest thing is to actually step out and explore this because that is far safer than continuing in a, in a job that I don't even like. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, so I'm wondering if part of the key payoff for you for staying in this dysfunctional place is that it's safe. Yeah. And it, it protects you from failure, rejection, disappointment. Yeah. If you hope for nothing, well, you can't get disappointed. If you have no expectations, you can't get hurt, you can't fail. Yes. I've written off all expectations because yeah, cool. he says he's home on a Friday. 
Because great he doesn't come home on a Friday. It could be Thursday. Yeah. It could be Saturday. But sure. yeah. I don't hope for any expectation because it could always change. Cool. Beautiful. So this story, is keeping, this story is keeping you safe. Um, and when you're ready to let go of it and find a better way to stay safe, Or, or realise that you might need protection from different things rather than this, you can let go of this story and move forward. The yeah. very moment. Change takes a long time coming, but it happens in a moment. Yeah. So I'm going to wrap the session up here and, and just let you know that awareness is, is 95% of the issue, right? The fact that you've seen this about yourself today is a massive step. So you may or may not feel like you've taken massive steps forward and made great progress with this issue. <laughs> but just in seeing it, you saw something that you cannot unsee. You can't change it if you can't see it, right? Yeah. But the fact that you've seen that about yourself, you've owned that, realise what's really happening for you, is no small thing. Most people will never see what's really going on in their life. Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge the courage and perseverance for you to stay in that space and give yourself the gift of seeing and to let go of judgment long enough for it to be safe for you to see what was really happening for you. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it would be okay to leave the session there knowing that, you know, this is just the beginning of a, of a really big change journey for you, but a very important step. How, how would yeah. you feel about wrapping that up there? Yeah, that's good. Is there anything else that would make this session feel more complete? Um, no, I think just having that change of it's not going uphill to that snow-capped mountain to find stuff mm -hmm. to me just that switch of it going it's the other way around <laughs> the other way around the hard thing is letting go once you've yeah, done that of course you're going to move towards health wholeness happiness success yeah yeah so what action comes to mind in terms of what are you, what are you going to go do as a result of what you've seen just now I think letting go of the the fear of stepping out there on my own. Um, you know, it's okay to be on my own, and I'm still safe on my own. Like, sure. No matter yes. what it is I'm doing, whether I'm walking in the door after school, walking on the beach, or trying to meet new friends, I'm totally safe and okay on my own. Mm. I don't know, each time I go outside, it's on my own, still living my life. Just let it go just that little bit more every time I step outside. Beautiful. There's the cool thing about life. Only you can do that. Yeah. No, no one can let go for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. okay, well... Again, I really, I really acknowledge you. Thank you for showing up and being present. And you don't even know me, right? But you have been yeah. <laughs> incredibly real and oh. open, which, I, I mean, 
That makes me feel great because I get to use it, <laughs> but, I, but I think that's an incredible gift you gave yourself, right? Yeah. Because this is all about you. you. You might never, ever cross paths with me again, but you've given yourself a gift of opening up and exploring the issue. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being